Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Oh, hi, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Uh, It's Cindy. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking to Phil Moore from the band Bowerbirds, who have been off the musical radar since about 2012. Their album, The Clearing, was the last one they released. Lots has changed for the B-Birds, which now centers solely around Phil Moore since his bandmate and former partner Beth Tacular has left to concentrate on her own artwork. 2021 sees a new Bowerbirds album called Be Calm, Young Lovers, and a new version of Phil himself. He writes to his fans on his website, It's been eight years since you've heard new Bowerbirds music, and you and I have changed in ways that we couldn't have imagined back then. Phil's intense connection to nature remains as he's always been drawn to the outside world, starting as a kid, going into college for biology, and moving to North Carolina in 2005 for a job as a bird tracker. In our conversation, we probably spent way too much time talking about birds and bird watching, and I came to find a real appreciation for the activity hearing about it through Phil's experience, and I just might be inspired to pick up a field notebook and night vision monocular myself. It seems like a very calm and grounding experience, which can also be said for the music of Bowerbirds. There's also a deep dive into different kinds of anxiety that Phil experiences, which seems to be mostly logistical, non-performance panic. He talks about different ways he understands and manages fear and anxiety. And I also basically give him a lecture about how important his music is to people because it has meant so much and helped me through so much. Helping people has been one of Phil's main objectives for Bowerbirds, and I'm here to tell him straight to his face he's doing it. Now let's all go birding. Phil is so good. We're going to take a listen to a song from Bowerbirds' latest album, Moon Phase is the song, and then we'll get to our conversation with the great Phil Moore of Bowerbirds on Basic Folk. Even when the fall from the fighting, I'll be yours. 
thanks so much for being on Basic Folk. It's so nice to yes. talk to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Here. I've been a fan of your band since the the debut record, so uh, I've mm-hmm. been following along and so pumped that um, you put this new record out, which um, I've listened to a bunch of times and it sounds awesome. So welcome, oh. welcome back. We miss you and we love you. And uh, oh, thank you. So pumped to talk. Okay, what is the? How do you pronounce your hometown? It all depends on which one you mean. The one that starts with a G. Oh, Grinnell. Yeah. Like the one that I grew up in, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, your, what's Gr- your other hometown? Well, just the one I live in now is Durham, oh, North Carolina. Okay. Got it. Yes. Yeah. We're going yeah. back. To, take us back to Iowa. We're we're, we're going back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're uh, Grinnell, Iowa, which a lot of folks uh, know for the college that's there, uh, Grinnell College, which is like a little um, uh, liberal arts college that's you know a lot of folks from the East Coast go to. Well, a lot of folks from around the world go to. Um, <clears throat> similar to like McAllister or is that also in Iowa? No, that's in Minnesota. That's in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Um, so a little more known, but you know, these little, there's like part of the great lakes colleges. And so anyway, my folks, uh, taught math there, which is how I ended up in the middle of Iowa. Okay. So what was um, the area like where you lived? And then where did you see yourself being drawn to like in your town when you were a kid? little tiny town half farmer farm kids and half like not half but like you know a lot of farm kids a lot of like there was a couple plants there all you know that revolved over the years um and then the college so those were like the main when you first said plants i was like oh like plants that grow from the ground you mean like manufacturing manufacturing plants Yeah. yeah exactly um just one tiny thing one high school you know yeah so you were friends with a lot of the farm kids and you said that they were like the most creative with their free time what did Mm -hmm. that creativity look like in reality and what impact do you think those like early connections with those types of friends had on you um i had one friend in particular ryan hendrickson who we we did a lot of like self-motivated um like exercise programs which is kind of funny but also like would go like what do you um, mean self-motivated exercise programs like like not 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 through like parks and rec or or like the or like the school doing like crossfit we're basically doing like yeah before crossfit existed i guess um we're doing like little like um just like calisthenics i guess you know and uh and alternating like running and I don't know. It was it was pretty funny. It was like in middle school. And then we also did like looked at statistics in or like looked at the sports stats, you know, and we would like pick our teams. I guess it's what people do these days. They call it fantasy, um, fantasy football, football or something. Yeah. But we would just use basketball stats and make our teams like that. And it was just the two of us. And it was mostly just him. He came up with all these ideas that mm. were, um, you know super creative it was just like he was one boy in a family of like three sisters and and like lived and worked on a farm so. his activities sound um so uh wholesome yeah oh it was very wholesome my whole my whole existence was very wholesome like and sheltered i'd say
Where did listening to music come into play in your family, and how has that informed your music listening as you've grown up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my mom played piano um, and sang not not much, but like you know, just the act of her playing uh, Claire de Lune in the house was pretty was pretty informative for me. Um, even once a month or whenever she would you know get sit at the piano. And, um, is that a classical my, piece? Yeah, it's like by Debussy. Okay. Um, just a solo piano piece. Beautiful. Really, really beautiful piece. Um, part of like the Sweet Bergamasque, which is like still my favorite to this day. Yeah, and they and my dad just listened to a lot of music, but you know, we're talking the Beatles and the Beach Boys and stuff like that, and and Paul Simon and Garfunkel, you know. So, was he like playing it around the house, like on a record player or in yeah. a car? He had a lot of what he called platters, and we <laughs> played them all the time. <laughs> oh my god, your dad sounds like such a dad. Oh, he's such a dad. Yeah, That's for awesome. sure. Yeah. You started playing music in middle school with some close friends, um, and it sounds like you played with them for a while. Like, what did that look like, and how did it feel to play music at first? Like in my town, we had one other band called Whiplash, and they played like, uh, like Poison and like Motley Crue covers. They were a cover band, and Is they were this like the like early nineties. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so I'm like 42 now. Right. Um, had Nirvana so yeah. come around at that point? Okay, so that was just like right when I was like right when we were like starting our band, and so this was like this was like what we were getting into you know it was like mm. you know smells like teen spirit and fishbone and i don't know a lot of old like king crimson and genesis because our drummer loved that stuff whoa um <laughs> yeah i know uh so we were but it basically we were very like we didn't have a a model or like a blueprint to go by so we were we really tried to play a little bit of everything um or what we knew of everything we were kind of a little schizophrenic but would play a lot of like weird math rock and like is your parents like stuff. that mathematicians um, no not at all <laughs> i mean they they totally didn't understand it and we're like kind of kind of up until the point that like i started playing and writing bowerbirds music my parents were kind of scratching their heads but um but uh they fully adopted the Bowerbirds back in like 2006. So Sweet. Yeah. In reading a lot about you and trying to um, like think a little deeper about like the way your brain operates, I read that you like lyrics with like a direct or literal meaning, but sometimes mm-hmm. you'll also write in like a figurative manner. It's like you're a very like dreamy person who can also read instructions and build a house. Um, and it's, I found this funny quote from you where you said, it's a lot easier than people think. Just follow the instructions, which um, this like these like two different sides of you. I think it's like a pretty rare combination. So like what does that balance look like for you when it comes to like creativity and it comes to like the part that follows directions and science? Mm. Well, I don't think I'm very precise of than anything I don't really do anything to um like I make a lot of mistakes I think you know so I guess when I when I say 
follow the instructions. Um, I don't know. Whenever I said that, uh, right. it was like you know, like um, I'm not holding you to anything that I. No, no, I, I, I told, I totally remember that. Actually, it was just like from some like residential, uh, um, and it's true, uh, like framing, framing book or whatever. But, um, yeah, just like I, it's hard to say because I'm me. I guess you know what I mean. It just seems normal to do. Well, how I do things, I don't know. Well, it also but sounds you, like in, in what you're saying is that, like, you make a lot of mistakes, but it sounds like you give yourself space to make mistakes. Yeah, definitely that's true. And I think that's that's where especially creative thing, like, great creative things come from, at least for me, um, when I, like, most of my songs are just, you know, mistakes. I think other people call it, like, channeling something or you know i think but i think it's all the same thing where if you just do it and you keep an open mind to what's coming in um or you know or what you're doing or what you're whatever whatever it is like if you keep if you if you if you get if you like use those mistakes and mm. then then you like find new avenues and i think that's exciting um an exciting part of writing music or doing anything really. Yeah. So, yeah. so what you're saying is you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Or I, at least, I don't even know if I learn from mistakes, but I learned that I like making mistakes. So I like to try new things. Yeah. Um, and so I do try a lot of new things and I don't master hardly any of them because that's not really my favorite part of it. But yeah. Um, sorry, one more question about this, like, literal, oh. figurative, um, like, being self-aware about your, like, practical and creative side or, like, being self-aware between literal lyrics and figurative lyrics. Um, I don't recall what song this is you said, um, you said this about, but you said, I remember talking to Mark in the band about one of the songs, and he was like, well, it's a lot different than the other songs in that it's more obtuse. And then you actually said, I forget which song that was. I had no idea, but the song made perfect sense to me. Like, um, how difficult is it for you to distinguish the difference between literal and figurative? I think very, it's very hard for me. Um, and I don't, is I, that even important? I don't think, for, I don't think um, for what I'm doing, at least, it is important. I, I, I don't, um, I don't really overanalyze the words that I write so much. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think about them. So yeah, for example, Mark, I remember him saying a lot of lyrics on that first album um, were sort of didactic. And I was like, okay, first of all, I have to look that word up. To look up that word, yes. Yes, one, <laughs> like A. And then B, I was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't realize that I was um, doing that. And this is a long time ago, so that I looked that word up. But I think it means like preachy, mm. didactic. I could be wrong. But they were like kind of preachy. And, and, um, and I like really hadn't noticed that a lot of those lyrics were sort of like that so um because i really can't yeah like i don't i can only do what i can do i feel like and i don't you know if i could analyze them and um the way that yeah. the way that like i could compare 
your experience to like something that I might experience is if like I told a joke, which I do often will tell a joke and it totally doesn't land. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is like basically the funniest thing I've ever said. And like, <laughs> yeah. if you have to, I mean, a joke is different because if you have to explain the joke, yes, then it's not funny. But, right. But yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I just no. thought that was really interesting that you were like, this song makes perfect sense. And Mark was like, WTF, man. I don't yeah. know what this means. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think True. that also like it doesn't like super matter, but um, right. interesting to think about. And Definitely Mark is, um, your, is it Mark Paulson, your, your childhood friend? Yes, he's my like friend from middle school and we started playing music together. And like, he was in Bowerbirds. And he was in Bowerbirds, okay, yeah. Cool. Is he still in North Carolina? Yeah, he is. I just saw him a couple of days ago. Sweet. And yeah, he's in he's in Raleigh and I'm in Durham. Cool. But, yeah. So after college, um, and you and Mark didn't go to the same college, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. He went to Grinnell hometown, but ah, yeah. This sounds interesting. You worked and lived on a farm. Um, what types of things were you doing, and what types of things did you learn or come to realize like doing that job? Yeah, that was, I worked on like a farm that was not like a nice organic farm or anything. So it was like a very, very big operation, but um, it was only like one, one family really. So one person. And I learned that the family farm in Iowa is dying um, mm. or was, was dying in 2005, I guess it was. Uh, and he rented land from all these, you know, he had to lease land from all these other people. Um, so he had like, like hundreds and hundreds of acres and he had to farm every single one of those acres. Um, and I was like, I was driving a tractor and like V ripping and driving a cart. And so, you know, so he could dump all the corn in the what cart. What is V ripping? The, uh, it's like, um, it's kind of like aerating the soil. Oh, all right. For Tilling? the next year. Tilling. Yeah, I guess so. But it was like. I think it was slightly different. I don't know, but he trusted me with his like tractor, so that's what I did. Nice. And then, and then, like you know, drove by his combine, drove a combine a few times, um, and like took care of some pigs and cows and stuff. But nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about birds. You yes. moved to North Carolina, two thousand five, mm-hmm. for a bird job. Was it tracking the plaintive warbler? Mm. Is that right? You know, Swainson's Swainson's warbler. Oh. Um and that was that was yeah, and I yeah, I moved to I moved actually to Raleigh to be with uh my best friends who like from Grinnell who I played music with. Oh they cool. Was both, that Mark? That was Mark okay. and then my friend Wes. And so we moved there. Um yeah, kind of like that and just like, oh, they'll Will there will hopefully be jobs there? So, oh, so you moved, you leaped, and the net appeared, and it was warblers. Yes. yes, exactly. And I had one job before that in Arizona, working with birds too. So it was very, yeah, it was on my radar. And you have been like an avid bird watcher. How did you get into birds, and like, what do you get out of like bird watching, and what do you find so fascinating about birds? Yeah, I mean, it's to me, I'm not like a total avid bird watcher, um, but my parents were avid bird watchers. So I would tag along and then my mom would be like, 
oh, oh, Philip, your eyes are so good. You know, like, <laughs> like encouraging me like that. And, and I, so I think, I think like, I was just like, oh, I guess I'm good at this, you know, or whatever from a, yeah. from a young age. Um, and then like, and so I don't know, I, I never got into it. Like, in a in a like a true birders sort of you know obsessiveness quality but i like love bird watching um i don't know my calls i like all the little brown birds look the same to me mm. um you know but i just love what it what it does for me is it just like it has like a like a point of focus when i go out in nature so i'll be and now now i like to take photographs of birds and like go out and spend like an hour um just by myself in the woods and take photographs of birds and for no point except for for to do it and it just makes me feel better about my day so i don't know it sounds grounding <laughs> I, yeah i think it's just grounding yeah i love that and a, and a way an excuse to like settle down and be in nature so aside from bower birds what are your favorite birds uh good question i love like large mid-size wading birds like little blue herons and little green herons and um like ibis and birds like that just because they're so elegant and i see them in when i go to florida which i don't go to very much and so it's, they're kind of a treat mm. um and yeah those are those are some of my favorite i went to belize last year and oh, wow. there's a lot of bird watching there i am not a bird watcher at all but the two yeah. birds that i saw that i really loved were the toucan oh nice beautiful and, uh we actually saw one in a tree like near the place we were staying and i got a little video of it like crying or calling oh. or whatever it does yeah, yeah and the other one is the egret that like sits mm. on the back of cows Oh, they, cattle egret. They're like, yeah. the, and then it'll eat like the bugs off the cows, and it's like interspecies nice. friendship. That's awesome. Yeah. It's <laughs> <is> always nice. <laughs> A little mutualism. That's nice. So, Bowerbirds, the band was named after the Bowerbird of Australia, who creates bowers with berries and flowers to attract mates. You've called them artists, which is really cool. Like, they basically are making a work of art. Um, can you talk more about birds and like nature in general? as artists, like where you see art in nature? Oh, good. Very good question. Um, I don't know if I see art in nature so much as I see nature or, or, or like, I don't really see the need for art in nature. Like, I feel like, I feel like art is a lot of the times like therapeutic um with like and kind of like i don't know i've called this different things over the years but therapeutic against like capitalism um you know um and human though you know what we what we are doing to the planet whatnot uh whether it's like psychologically in our brains or physically to the planet or whatever you know and i think of um art as like kind of something antithetical antithetical to uh to us as humans um and and it's and it's 
I feel like it's more rare to see in in nature with like bowerbirds. I don't I don't think it's it is the same thing, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't I think nature is just already as beautiful as it could be, you know. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't need to be altered in any sort of way. So you and your former partner bandmate Beth, which by the way, I don't have any like questions about the ins and outs of your relationship. Just oh, no a, problem. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, you and Beth were the core of Bower Birds, and you also had like this pretty rad lifestyle together, like living off the grid in your airstream trailer in the woods then building a cabin on your own. And you've talked about how the woods help you concentrate and you've had a hard time with like concentration in the city, like city noises bum you out. What is it about the space and the lifestyle of living like this that helps you focus? And what was it like when like that first occurred to you? Um. Yeah, that's a, that's really cool. It's cool that it's cool that you like did this research and it's like, freaky, huh? It's freaky, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. And all, especially like in my case, like I didn't answer these questions like yesterday, you know what I mean? So yeah. this is, these are like old questions, but they're still completely, I guess I wasn't like bullshitting back in the day. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, that, that's totally true to this day um, of the, yeah. And when did I realize it? Um. I think I, I think I realized it pretty pretty young when I was in a, when I grew up in a small town. Mm-hmm. That was like I loved I loved being in a small town and having all that space. Um and then and you know moving even to a slightly bigger town was kind of like difficult for me to adjust adjust so um and I've never lived in New York. I really don't I love it for like two days maybe and then I just need to get the heck out of there. So mm-hmm. um yeah. Um but okay, could you remind me of the question again? I'm sorry. I yeah. kinda lost focus. Like what is it about the space and lifestyle that helps you focus and what is oh, what was yeah. it like when it first occurred to you? Um, yeah. The just yeah, I mean it is it is weird. I went out to the cabin. I don't live there anymore. Uh, but I went, but I went out there the other day for a weekend, and it was surprisingly how surprising how um, how few like car noises there were, and kind of um, how many more bird sounds and coyote sounds you could hear out there. And it was really, I don't know exactly what it is about that, but it really, you know, just calms me. It feels like the pace of life is slowing down and so like that slowness yeah. kind of helps me focus you know whenever i notice that like if i go out my dad and i went to a yurt recently uh, yeah and, like we're driving home and i'm drinking water and i can feel the water like going all the way down my esophagus for, for, for nice. some reason like for me that's like oh i'm relaxed like i'm yeah, calm enough yeah, to pay yeah, attention yeah, yeah that's so cool little stuff like that So I don't know if this is still true, but you've called yourself a workaholic who thrives on like seemingly, from what I can 
gauge from from this angle, uh, seemingly over committing yourself to your creative projects, even though you're like telling you're, you're talking about like thriving on slowing down. Like, how hard has it yeah. been to maintain that solace? And like, how will you work now to keep the joy in creating music? Hmm. Well, that's that's really cool. Another, you know, that you know, we're he, I'm hearing that like back to me again for like, <laughs> and that's like a been a break for you know, um, because like I do, I haven't lost the joy of creating music, and I don't know what it is. I've compartmentalized it somewhere, you know outside of um obligatory work um and i think that's really important for me to do um because otherwise you know i've certainly lost a lot of joy in other forms of work like i think we all have you know mm -hmm. tried certain things and um realized those things weren't for us um but I, yeah i think i think that's just um I don't know if I was I was, you know, made for musical creative work, but I feel like I was made for some sort of creative work and I think, you know, um it it would be hard and I and I learned music at a young age and found the joy in it and I think I've just never I've never lost it thankfully. Yeah. You said I like being isolated and I like being secluded um and I think about this sometimes like for you, like, where's the difference between isolation and loneliness, like, if you experience both and how you might manage loneliness in the middle of the woods mm. after a 12-year relationship is broken up? 15, sorry. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't live there um, anymore, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, and it is because probably, you know, I'm not with the person I was out there with. Um... And I, I because love because it does get lonely. It does get lonely, yeah. It does get lonely. Um and it's also hard to like completely you know, match like if you're a couple out in the woods, it's hard to, you know, match each other's sense of like uh like needing other people like social you know, like needing the same social circles size of so social circles you know outside of the two of you mm -hmm. it's very i mean that that's like kind of an, a near impossibility to match those mm -hmm. um you know yeah oh yeah i do yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know even if you're in town so you know it's like um yeah i i i definitely could stand to be out in the woods by myself for a week possibly two weeks get a little stir crazy around then maybe but like um yeah I, lo I love being alone and don't find it's hard it's hard for me to find like um yeah it's hard for me to get sick of being alone but yeah I definitely feel the same the same pangs of needing human interaction too you know and it's yeah. it's it's pretty cool when you're like have been out in the woods for like a week straight and then see somebody and it feels like you've like or like you're ultra sped up and you're like oh my god yeah right yeah drank like three cups of coffee even though you have haven't <laughs> so yeah cool all right let's talk about anxiety um hmm. 
I hear that you get like pretty nervous about tour, but it's like kind of like the logistical stuff, like where you should park the van and, you know, loading in, loading out. But you also say that like performance does not come naturally to you and that it can be uncomfortable. What is your relationship to anxiety and how do you work to manage it within your music career? And also Mm. like, what has it been like to like revisit some of that anxiety i know we're not performing now but like right, some yeah. of that anxiety must be coming back after eight years away um yes and yeah i have a lot of probably mismanaged unmanaged anxiety you know and i think it really you know definitely came through with performing um i was never you know even having performed since middle school i've never really gotten over the nerves and uh, you know it alters the way my hands work playing guitar you know mm. and it doesn't doesn't feel like there are some shows where I'll completely totally mess up like remembering back in the day because or you know I'll mess up the guitar or something and I'm like holding on by a by a thread and oh wow yeah and that's and that's after playing five shows in a row and it'll just like all of a sudden pop up but that said anxiety it's 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 really nice that I was just thinking about it on a run just like twenty minutes ago. It's nice that we ha- that that's like so public these days. Um, I think when I was growing up, I was like I felt like ashamed to be like mm. anxious an anxious person. And did you um, at least have the insight to say like, oh, this is anxiety? I don't know if I did as much. It's certainly not as much as I do now. Um, but maybe, yeah, like I think I was, and and when I was younger, like in high school, I certainly didn't really understand what was going on um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my head as much. Do you have anxiety? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Selexa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thing. See, I don't have anything, but but like I was like sitting around a campfire with my friends and they were like, there's no, there's no shame in this. Like, I feel like over the moon, I can do all the things that I wanted to do. And I'm just like, yeah, that's it's just like, totally rad. Yeah. Like what if, if you can manage it, which like, I'm not great at it, but like, if you can manage it, you can do like reasonable, you yeah. know, you can handle stressful things pretty reasonably, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely like showed itself to me several years ago and my friend was like do you hear yourself like you are full-blown panicking right now and then it reminded me of like all these different instances during childhood Mm. where you'd get that similar feeling like you know I would try to like this is going a little off course here but like my my dad is like definitely a type to like wander away you know like we would go to like Fenway Park to watch baseball and I would be like where is everybody just making sure everyone's here if I can't see somebody within my line of sight I'd get like really upset and nervous and then try to like think of these stories that I would like um, save up stories in my head to like try to tell my family like oh I was driving you know we were driving the other day and there's this you know, whatever, just telling a stupid story to like distract myself from the panic and fear that like my father is gone for the rest of my life. I'll never see him again. You know? Wow. Yeah. I don't wow. know if that and resonates. <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely resonates with me. Um, uh, like, in a yeah, in a similar, like on my run today, I was just, I was kind of going down. It reminds me of a book that I read when I was a kid called The Worried Walrus, where have you, did you ever read no. that book? It was like uh-huh. one of those gold, 
golden books, oh, okay, you know, yeah. golden spine books. And then he just like, it goes, it goes down like his mental path of being like, it, and it's a walrus that's doing this, but he'll just be like, oh, I, I was like, you know, whatever. I went to the other, I went to the living room and the something was missing. And then he's like, oh, was it missing because of an egret came into the house and stole it and then went off and then the egret like got hit by a car and then there was a traffic jam and like a helicopter had to come. I'm just totally making oh this God. up, but, but that sounds- it was like, that sounds like anxiety. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it was, it's kind of a fun book to read. Did he get like, Selexa at the end of the book? I, you know what? I don't remember the book, but 20 probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure he talked to his therapist, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> anxiety. Yeah. We all have it. But yeah. it's important it, to recognize what it is. For sure. And is it is it just, that's what I was, I've always like, I'm tossing around in my head. Is it just a symptom of the world we live in or is it, you know, and we wouldn't necessarily have it if we lived in a different world. Right. Not that that's, that's just totally hypothetical and we could never live in a different world, but you know, I don't know. So in talking about going through like hard times, difficult times, like this quote is from when Beth went through that really serious illness many years ago. You said not to sound mm-hmm. overly dramatic, but when you go through something like that, you feel like you only have so much time and you should probably make something as beautiful as possible while you're on earth, which is like, that's a beautiful sentiment. Um, Since then, you have gone through more hard and more serious things and um, have found ways to actually process them through the new songs on the record. How has like going through those difficult times, like how do you see that changing the way you write, like for each each, um, Mm. crisis that you've gone through? Hmm. Um, I actually don't think it that like, I don't think my process has changed hardly at all. I think that's, I think the process is kind of therapy, um, at its core. And I do try to deal with, you know, not try, I just end up dealing with those things because they're, you know, the heaviest things on my brain. And for whatever reason, you know, those are the things I like to write about, but I think, it really hasn't changed since, you know, from when I was like 25 to now. Mm. It's always, it has kind of been similar and a similar sort of thera- therapy for me. Yeah, it's so. like you got to deal with it or yeah. you or explode. You just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you just become yeah. like a shell. Yeah. It also Absolutely. seems like some of the new songs are like processing some feelings from childhood. Like, for instance, um, the song Endless Chase, which was released in 2020. It's all about remembering the confidence of youth. Which mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what was it like to go back to that time and reflect on those memories as an adult? And like, how do you feel about or how do you think about your younger self differently now that you've gone through life? Now that you're yeah. like in your 40s. Yeah. Um I'm proud of myself for doing some things that I wanted to do at that time. I don't like I don't look back and I don't think I'm like I don't think I made the wrong choices. I mean, maybe talk to me on a different day, but <laughs> um you know, like like I I'm proud of I'm proud of like pursuing something creative that like aligned with who I am um and like I said before I had all the I had all the uh what do you call it 
latitude, what space, whatever, to do that because you know my parents um, would bail me out if I failed, basically. Um, so, but I am proud of proud of my younger self for trying to do those things and doing them to some degree of you know just it, it's just nice to look back on all those songs that I wrote back in the day and have this like this like these memories of of them that really like yeah it just kind of affirms in my later years now like who I was and who I am and yeah I don't know that's nice because I feel like as somebody with anxiety like you tend to look back on yourself and be very ashamed yeah so it it's nice to hear that that you've kind of like overcome some of that and just like, I don't know. I was hoping that you say that you would have some kind of positive answer to that, yeah. you know, because I think yeah. people should look back on who they were as a younger person with kindness. Yes, that's a really good point. Yeah. So the new record, Be Calm Young Lovers, um, was it recorded in your cabin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which you had built with Beth. Yes. Um, what was it like to create these songs, some of them about your relationship ending in a former shared space, like not only shared, but it was something that you two had built? Mm-hmm. Even going back to that cabin, it's kind of emotionally difficult to be back there, though I, you know, though, and it's just close to me and close, but it like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of that old life that, you know, again, like there's no regrets of all those years that it's like so but it is difficult and writing that album was difficult to do in that space but i think moon phase i can remember recording and um just like yeah it was like really hard to get through the takes so it was like and and i don't know i don't know if it had to do so much with the content of the song or if it had to do with you know the being in that space or or a combination of the things but it was really impactful to at least in that moment whatever it was that was coming into me and going out of me uh, I bet you walked out of that project a different person definitely a clearer person I think I feel like you know in the way that like the songs are like therapy they're always good to like tackle you know so with the songs just just tackling something that's like in the recesses deep in there and you're like it is like kind of taking a pickaxe to it and and getting it and unearthing it um and so i think with all with every song and especially on this album i was getting through something mm. so yeah how has writing without beth been for you like you've called her your editor and proclaimed that you think it's important to write whatever comes out because I don't think people want to listen to music that is guarded and they want to hear what you're really feeling mm-hmm. I think Beth was like great at uh, kind of like calling things and like and kind of shaping the things um, by you know positive feedback and that was that was really cool I, I like that process a lot and I don't, I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that process, it, I don't think that was too different from how I do it now, other than I just don't have like a second. Well, I have my manager, Martin, who I like talk to. He's my buddy and my friend, Bryant, who I just like, I have two people all kind of like 
that kind of just steer me, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not like, they're not like total musicians, but it's just, it's good. It's nice to have somebody to, that's as invested that can kind of be a mirror mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. that I have, I don't have as many folks, you know, well, I don't have Beth anymore. So, but you've always been like fairly open about your relationship and your life, like in interviews. What benefits do you see or have experienced for yourself, for others, for your art in being so candid? It would be hard to like hide those things from people for me. So I I definitely know some drawbacks, (laughs) 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 but it'd be hard to answer a question differently if, you know, if it were asked. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I think it maybe I think people can relate better mm-hmm. with honesty and I think people can hear honesty and you know just I and I definitely believe that 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 it that is not is something that's nice to propagate. Mm-hmm. It's I think a lot of like the mythos behind bands is like you know there is mythos there is like, you know, there's like, there's, a, there is like, e- even with, you know, bowerbirds, there is like, I l- only live in nature and like only commune with an- animal spirits to like, but that's not true, obviously. And it's just like, I think, I think there's like getting to the, I don't know, being honest and transparent is, and, and kind of trying your hardest to uh, not be part of like celeb culture is like important for me uh like i was talking to my friend who's more famous than me and um nick sanborn from sylvanesso and he's like just hates celeb culture you know and like and some people whereas some people love to like lean into it you you just quickly define kind of like not to be christian but because i'm not but like, you know, that that false idol worship kind of thing that just like how all, you know, like Billie Eilish. No, no, no. Like, 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 I kind of think she at least appears from where I'm standing kind of down to earth for me. But yeah, you got to watch um, the doc. Yeah. Is it's, it good? It's really good. I'll totally. I mean, she's like homeschooled. She seems totally cool. Um, And like, it's just like her and her brother. But like, you know, even just like if you're going as extreme as like, you know, everybody in great. Britain, not everybody. A lot of folks in Great Britain are, you know, obsessed with the royals and like, mm. you know, the royal family. that yeah. that sort of thing where there's as if there's somebody at a different status from you. Got it. To look up to, and I don't like to be, and you know, I'm not really part of that at all. But I don't like the Harvard like elites. That. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my God! Don't get me um, started on the royals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to another podcast about the Royals recently. The Devil's uh-huh. into the Daily about the Royals, and that was good. And it um, explained things a little bit why it's so important. Anyways, yes. When you return to music, you put out like a couple of different statements about it. And one thing you said that I thought was like so nice was you said it's been eight years since you've heard new Bowerbirds music, and you and I have changed in ways that we could have never imagined back then which is like so nice to consider the ways that like your audience has changed. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I was trying to think of like what we could talk about when it comes to that, but it makes me think about the past goals of the band. 
Um, mm. One of them was to help people. Like, where does that land with you now? Like writing about your experiences and how that can help people. Mm. It's, yeah, that's a great question and a great lead up to a question too. Like, and I don't know, like, um, uh, I, th I think especially early Bowerbirds, I was really like very like, you know, needing to, trying to find a way to help change, make change. And, um, you know, through writing lyrics, encouraging people to like, see that, you know, we're killing the planet that we live on. Um, and, and those are some of my earliest songs. And I don't know if I, I don't think I like, really i mean i obviously didn't change enough people's you know um minds there and it's and it, it is a hard thing to you know to think that like the songs that i write about like love relationships would have any like effect on anybody else really you know like i don't I, it's like i i think you wait you don't think they have an effect on everybody anybody else it's just hard for me to like see to like imagine them having like a, a like a great effect on people. I want that I want it to be true that I'm like I think I think it's just the act of me sharing my experiences, you know, would like um would just be like a conversation with somebody and they could hear that and they could be like, "Oh, me too." Like I also feel that way. Mm. Um but I'm going to I'm going to yeah. disagree with you because yeah. um the like one of the reasons why I like to have these conversations with musicians is that I really feel like artists and musicians and writers really have a chance to like look through the lens of life in a completely different way than a normal person would and then that mm. gets channeled into your art mm. and and it helps people it helps people understand um, that they might be, you know, depressed or they might have anxiety or, you know, mm -hmm. they're, if they're feeling alone, they're actually not alone. Like music helps people feel less alone. Mm -hmm. So I would argue that you are helping people in more ways than you know. That, I mean, that, that is totally, totally possible. It's hard for me to, it's, I guess it's hard for me to feel that. Um, I'll feel, I'll, I'll, let me just tell you about it and feel yeah. it for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me turn and, this and, interview around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm on the other side too. Like I, I totally get that. You know, I hear other people's music and it totally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like being filled with, you know, with like joy and love mm -hmm. feelings and like, you know, music still works on me the way it you know, the way it ought to, the way it ought to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I do, I do like, um, it's hard for me to see it affecting people and me. And that, I think that has a lot to do with like not playing shows mm -hmm. for people, you know? So, mm -hmm. so hopefully that will change and, you know, we'll be out there all together again in, in big rooms and, you know, and, and feeling those feelings together, I guess, yeah. you know? So. Definitely. All right, yeah. Phil, before you go, let's yes. do the lightning round. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. Yes. What was the first song you learned on the guitar? Oh my gosh. It was it was a uh, Van Halen. Dun, 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 Is that I don't know that one. I'm not a boy. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> um Oh my gosh. Was it Jump? No, it that was like, like a Van Halen song, right? Oh, yeah, it was yeah, that that's that's a Van Halen song, but this was like it was like dun, 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 dun. oh i can't do lightning rounds this is not my speed <laughs> <laughs> all right next but question yeah, is, song. what is your karaoke song uh like just answer. my lightning answer is <laughs> i hate i i have i am so scared of karaoke and i don't do it but oh i know that is a weak answer <laughs> dogs or cats or something else um both dogs and cats uh, acceptable for sure yeah yeah what is your coffee order cold brew coffee in the summer and probably a cappuccino with oatmeal in the winter nice yeah first celebrity crush oh my god uh the the oh my gosh the maybe not the first but impressionable one like the but i don't even remember her name she was in the Father of the Bride with Steve Martin. Oh, that she was the daughter. Like, the daughter, yeah. It was like in middle school. So wholesome. Yeah, seriously. Who is uh, the nicest musician you've ever met? Oh, the nicest, um, the nicest musician I've ever met. can't do this um <laughs> you are actually really terrible at this i am terrible at this yes this is why I'm, yeah um who's the I first know, name that comes to mind it's probably phil cook uh no yeah phil is an exceptionally nice nice person um i would say i would say like maybe i'll just say uh martin anderson um he plays he played bass in a trekkie um the Trekkie Christmas band. So he's also my manager, but he's like very, he's like one of the nicest humans I know. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. uh, first album you bought with your own money? Um, Jesus Jones, <laughs> whatever one that was, I don't know. Oh my I'm God. sure it holds up. Is that? I'm sure it. The Jesus Jones is right here, right now. Yes, oh yeah, exactly, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, what was your first concert? <laughs> Uh, Amy Grant. Oh my God. Are that you, was with like my Christian friends. Are you like a so. perfect little angel human? No, I'm definitely <laughs> not a perfect, no, not, not by any means. Okay. Here's the last question. Where's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? Mm. Zion National Park. Ooh. Probably. Great. It's beautiful. Have you been there? Canyonlands, no. Utah. Yeah. It's so, it's so pretty there, but that was a good lightning answer. Okay, yeah, that one actually yeah. rolled off the tongue. Redemption. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and cool. on the good one. Well, thank you so much, Phil. This has been a real uh it's been a real fun talking to you and uh I I am like super psyched that you put this record out and I oh, know a lot you. of people are. So, appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yeah. 
Basic Folk This Week, produced by Laura McCarthy. Alex Stanton of Townspeople composes our music. Basic Folk is on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. I'm your host, Cindy Howes. I thank you so much for joining us today. And you can find all of the episodes of Basic Folk wherever you get podcasts. We will talk to you next time. Mm, Bye.